Welcome back to another episode of Dave's Delivery and Junk Removal, at least for now, dot, dot, dot. This is another commute episode. By commute episode, I mean, we're going to church. Fam's in the RAV4, riding high, going to church, doing a little parking lot service, using the kind generosity of the lords of the land they permitted us to park our cars and listen to the fm waves of a preacher thank you gavin newsom we are ever grateful all grace now uh the way this audio is going to work is we're in a car is i got the phone in my mouth and when you want to talk you let me know i'll put the phone in your mouth and it'll be really crisp really clear but if you speak in the phones like this, you're going to be these faint underwater. What do you have to say about that? Sounds like a good plan. Cool. So I've given you the opportunity to share some junk removal stories the past couple times. I'm going to bring a couple stories this time. All right. That's going to tee you up, tell you everything you need to know about today's mystery episode, which you don't know anything about going into it. And then I'll let you let you run with it. All right. Story one. I'll start with the cleaner version. Took, uh, took my roommate, brought the dump truck to an industrial office. So part warehouse, part wide open floor space. And it was full of big desks, work tables, cabinets, marble blocks, things like that. It took over two full dump trucks to clear the whole space out. So we had to clear it out. And there was a guy supervising from the company paying us. Asked him about the situation, if they were just moving or figured maybe moving out of state. A lot of, uh, a lot of companies move out of California because the taxes are so tyrannical. And he said, actually, they had been leasing the property. And uh, the company paid for the company leasing from them paid for the first month's rent with a check that bounced these guys were kind and gracious and so they they told the company hey you've got one more month to pay for both months so month two you have to pay for month one and month two and again in month month two both check checks bounce and so uh the company then decided, I don't think our tenants are going to pay us, so we're going to evict them, right? Because if you're renting, if you have a, a well, I, I won't even get into my explanation of my problem with it yet, but they decide they're going to evict, and so they go to the authorities, they go to the governing authorities, only to be told that they cannot evict for 30 days. So their tenants who as it turns out never had an intention of paying got three months free rent before moving on somewhere else and not only that but didn't have to pay a dime to get rid of all their trash so a a company rented out property got zero dollars for it and then had to pay extra not only the cost of not having a productive space but then had to pay extra on top of all that as a means of insult to get rid of the trash from the unpaying tenants. That's story one. Story two, 
again, took a crew of a couple guys to a property out in East County, and apparently it's 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 a large large property, like 50 acres or something. I mean, something huge, but uh, a lot of it is canyon as things go out here, and there's, I mean, there could be. When you're, when you're talking about all the trash spread out over the entire property, there could be five trucks worth, five dump trucks worth, 21 cubic yards per dump truck worth of trash. And and not just any kind of trash, we're talking homeless encampment trash. There's a, a company... That's the worst kind of trash. Describe that trash for people who've never um, explored homeless encampments. <laughs> Uh, describe it. Uh, worst smell you can ever imagine. Um, items that you think would be safe from fecal matter or not safe from fecal matter. Um, pretty much looking out for needles at all times. Leave it at that. Awesome. And actually, the uh, for me, the most offensive thing to my nose is the fecal matter. The uh, the needles just uh, press on and work and pray. You don't get stuck. Same thing I do with spiders, to be honest. Oh. It's the the evidence of um, the dark habits of of homeless men that are the worst part for me. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I've, I think uh, that community's use of pornography is uh, any pornography is gross and grotesque, but they take it to a whole other level. Including kids' dolls. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. Now, so in light of that, as an aside, I was looking at uh, Point Loma Nazarene University. They got a really cool ministry where they send 18-year-old girls to get intense with homeless guys downtown and, and really show the love of Christ to them. And I'm thinking, you know, I, w- I would like to replicate that in our church. What do you think of that? <laughs> You want to replicate it in our church so that there's some more 18-year-old girls around? Or? 100%. <laughs> well, I mean, that sounds like a reasonable thing to, to shoot for. Uh, in terms of the ministry itself, uh, I was a part of that ministry, went to that school. You did it just to meet a girl, and you did. I didn't do it just to meet a girl, but the Lord was gracious and redeemed a time not well spent uh, with uh, me getting to meet a heck of a girl. But... Yeah, it's a it's a ministry in, in which uh, you know sandwiches are made, peanut butter and jelly are lathered onto bread. It's a big part of the ministry, and then uh, going out and not really focus on sharing the gospel. No training in that regard. No uh, no protection given for the girls who are going out to do it, but just going out to one of the worst areas of downtown San Diego. And yeah, legitimately entering into tents, sitting on cardboard, uh, makeshift homes uh, of homeless people who are, you know, riddled with drug use and not the kind of people you want your 18-year-old girls hanging around and sitting down, again, not to share the gospel necessarily with them, but to share with them this broad idea of the love of Christ which is manifested in 
us giving them a sandwich in a city where, unfortunately, we spend a ton of government resources to uh, make these people on the street fat and happy. Uh, you could very easily be gaining weight on the streets of San Diego um, with the number of programs. Uh, it's, a, it's a type of crowd where uh, you show up with a PBJ and they're like, hey man, I had lasagna for dinner. All right, I don't need your PBJ. It's that kind of thing. Yeah, which is wrong on multiple levels. Firstly, as an insult to the fundamental food that built these United States of America. That's right, yeah. To, to send back a PB&J like that is a serious slap in the face. America's finest have their sinews formed by the nutrients provided by peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Now, cleaning up this camp, so much trash. How did all that trash, how did those homeless encamp- encampments come to be? Well, the reality is that a private company owns this land and the county sheriff's department uh, refuses to evict as, uh, as those committing trespass on private property the, uh, the, the homeless community there some of the people there having lived there for seven years the sheriff's, sheriff's department uh, you know citing COVID won't evict these trespassers and they know, uh, they know COVID's like a newer thing, right? It hasn't been there for seven years. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's let them know about that. It, it <laughs> seems like a convenient excuse, though, for sure. Uh, so not only will the county not evict these trespassers, but eventually complaints from neighbors uh, grew so much because of the trash from these homeless people. And then the homeless were starting fires, so that drew attention to the property as well. The county obviously doesn't want to get sued, right? Because if a homeless guy starts a fire there and it damages a bunch of houses and it turns out that the county had done nothing about it for seven years, then I'm sure they're they're uh, at least susceptible to a suit. So it uh, sounds like what, when th- things get done, when uh, only when certain people's money is on the line. Well, and not only that, but things get done by the county, which is not going to enforce trespassing laws, requiring the property owners to spend their own dime to get the trash removed. So the property owner is paying us, is not going to be reimbursed, is paying us, and all the while, trespassing laws are still not going to be enforced. Uh, <laughs> so it's not going to be a solved problem until the whole place is bulldozed. Now, those two stories are meant to tee up uh, one broad idea, and I'll let you run with it. There is a lot of arbitrariness to both what the law is and how the law is enforced in a state whose politicians like to say a lot about justice. What do you think about that? I think it is the inevitable... Uh, unavoidable result of seeking to establish law uh, apart from the the law of God. So God's law is uh, an ultimate standard by which we can actually measure things. When we try to set up uh, lesser standards by our own wisdom, uh, we are going to fall into an arbitrariness 
you know, video and I have talked as a specific example about um, the the issues with you know not being able to like your first example get somebody off of or your second example get somebody off of your very own property. Uh, so no. let me ask you a clarifying thing. So yeah. let's say let's say I go to Hawaii for a two week vacation, okay? Okay. And let's say I uh, let's say I own a house, okay? I just want to clarify this in, in truth from my own head. Okay. In California, if let's say a single mother brought her two children to my home while I was gone and declared herself a resident. When I come home, am I allowed to put her out on the spot, or do I have to go through the month-long eviction process? Most likely, you're going to have to go through the month-long eviction process. Why is that? Because that, you know, obviously doesn't make a lot of sense to anyone listening. Sure. Uh, It has to do with establishing residency. So, all you need to do to be able to have a claim on on a place is to be able to say that you've established residency. And by no, in no regard does that residency have to be established in a way that's proven to be legal. So it can be recognized, admitted, like that single mom can readily admit that she trespassed on that land, that she didn't have your property uh, to get into that residence. And if she's been there for a certain amount of time, uh, there's a potential, uh, and it depends on who's who's the one showing up, there's a potential that she could have a claim to residency if she's uh, started getting mail there, that kind of thing then you run into a problem and uh, because of the ambiguity of the law, there are police officers who will at that point say that it is now a civil matter, not a criminal matter. And when a police officer tells you something is a civil matter, it's another way for him to say, I'm not going to help you. Nice. Nice. So the, the basic options that you know, we've set forth to folks is is that you can either choose man's law or God's law. And if you choose man's law, you're choosing arbitrariness, injustice, ineffectiveness, fruitlessness. And if you choose God's law, you're choosing blessing, righteousness, abundance, justice. That's the basic dichotomy we're trying to set up. That's right, yeah. For for a Christian, uh, we know that blessing always flows from obedience to God, and that applies everywhere and everything. So, I was recently uh, had a day off from work. Uh, told my boss it was a sick day, but really it was from a personal pleasure of repeatedly throwing up in the toilet. And in between bouts of pursuing the ends of my own pleasure I watched uh, Waco on Netflix and, uh, and Waco is about how federal authorities went to war against US citizens and uh, using weapons of war I murdered them all on US soil and without any appropriate consequence and, and those US citizens were wacko in Waco they were cultists belonging to the cult uh, called Branch Davidians. And their leader was David Koresh. 
And honestly, for most of my life, I had only a vague understanding of who David Koresh was, but knew the name. David Koresh seemed to have some cultural cachet to it. Uh, it, it dates my my age that that wasn't something that I watched, unha- uh, you know, unfold on television. Uh-huh. Definitely heard about it, and then learned a lot more about it recently through this show. And uh, David Koresh actually uh, agrees with us that you either have man's law or God's law, or arbitrariness or righteousness, which means that either David Koresh had at least one thing right in all of his cultist teachings, or we may have fallen into cultic beliefs. Which do you think is more likely? <laughs> well, you know, God doesn't call us to anything that, uh, you know, God calls us to, uh, to submit to him. He calls us to be obedient and, uh, he reveals what that obedience looks like in his word. Uh, so the way, the way a society is to run, uh, the way to do that well, uh, God has revealed all that to us because his word is sufficient. And so I would agree with the sentiment of David Koresh. Uh, and then we would have an actual ultimate appe- uh, authority to make appeals to as to what that law is. So that's the that's the beauty of saying that we're submitting to God's law is uh, God's law isn't what he, he whispered in your ear uh, when you were really tired last night and you thought it was a really good idea. Maybe that's from God. Uh, no, God's law is what is revealed. Probably from Satan. Yeah, God's law is what's revealed in his word. So we actually have a source to go to uh, both us and David Koresh and we can evaluate the validity of whatever's being put forth by an individual based on an ultimate standard which you can't do with you know laws here in California you can't uh, you don't have that ultimate authority to appeal to and so uh, you're going to hear appeals to emotion you're going to hear all kinds of appeals that don't deal with uh, that don't have justice at the at the heart of them Okay, so I got a couple of questions. We'll see how much time we have to explore. The wonderful thing about a commute episode is that it is necessarily bound by the commute itself. So um, we don't want arbitrary laws because arbitrariness is justice in name only. Uh, we want, and oh, wait, also as an example of an arbitrary law, I don't want to get caught up in examples because I could easily get lost there. Because yeah. wild do examples abound. But think about this. You know, it's a law that you can't drive faster than 25 miles an hour in certain places, right? So residential areas, right? Now, we could talk about the intention of the law, right? The intention is, son, you don't need to be driving faster than 25 miles an hour in this residential area. There are children playing. Sometimes there are slow children playing. Sometimes there are slow deaf children playing. And you need to be careful. Yeah, that's the idea, right? But think about this. Why not 26? Arbitrary. <laughs> I was thinking about that late last night as a voice was whispering in my head. Now, we're talking about God's law. We want God's law. Uh, we want real justice. And we want to be able to to know them. If God is justice itself, if that is who he is, then we want to look to him for revelation about justice. We don't, why would we trust ourselves to understand ultimate transcendent justice? Something better than, bigger than simply mob mentality or the shifting tides of our opinions. 
but if we if we want a transcendent objective stable basis for our law we can look to no other than God and therefore we can look to nothing else but his word now the difficulty with that and I'd love you to speak to this is we're we're Christians right this this is the time of the New Testament and as you know a lot of the New Testament now I'm not gonna make an overclaim here but a lot of the New Testament is to the practicals of church life certainly and we've talked about it before on this podcast certainly there are texts in the New Testament that define principles for us about what the government is and is to do Romans 1st Peter very helpful there are there are passages in the New Testament you know looking back to the stories regarding private property and the rights surrounding them did at least establish a principle of private property you know think in, in, in Acts with Ananias and Sapphira when they lied to the Holy Spirit they lied even though they were free to do with their property what they saw fit so obviously on a broad level there's a principle of private property uh, you've got uh, you've got the second table of the Ten Commandments uh, affirmed as binding very clearly for Christians in Romans 13 so I, I you know uh, I've got political material justice material to work with right but it's very limited and if just working from there I think certainly we could do a whole lot better than California but if if the goal is more than simply being better than California which every state but New York is able to do but to actually have a just state then uh, you know I guess specifics would be helpful for me you know okay well if this situation occurs what what does God think is justice here right it would be helpful to have case studies to work with to think through practicals and I don't really have that in the New Testament and I'm a Christian so I really only want to use the New Testament what do you think about that I think you got a lot more Bible than that about how many books the entire thing all of it applicable the entire Old Testament now in, in that Old Testament is it just the, the concept of the books that are applicable or the words in those books that are applicable being the very words of God uh, the words it's hard to get concepts from a book without using the words ever heard of a picture book <laughs> what an idiot hard to get concepts from a book of words without using the words my Bible, doesn't, my Bible doesn't have any pictures in it, so I just, I made a huge assumption about your Bible there, and I apologize. Yeah, I, I use the um, the comic version, graphic novel Bible. Samson is yoked. <laughs> so is Jesus, and every time I open it, I'm violating the second commandment. It's, uh, I don't know how to get, you know, get out of that bind. I'm supposed to read my Bible, but uh, I keep violating the second commandment. Oh, man, that's tough. But, so... Uh, you're actually saying we can go to the Old Testament to learn about what God thinks is just and and called for in a civil realm. Okay. Now, the problem with that is a lot of material, um, you know, instances of uh, 
crimes, justice, punishments, really the practical explanation of justice in the civil realm that we find in the Old Testament is given to, it's given in the context of God having established Israel as his theocracy. And Israel is no more, right? And and God's uh, special established covenant relationship with Israel has been abrogated. And so it would seem to honestly be a failing of your covenant theology to look at the specifics of the Old Testament and think that God would want us to apply that uh, to our civil realm. And even more so, it would really seem like, despite the fact you don't have a big bushy beard, it seemed like you're advocating for something akin to Sharia law. Okay, so let me uh, me say something on that. Uh, You know, we... We agree that uh, God's relationship with Israel, his special relationship there, has been abrogated. And in that, we would uh, see an abrogation of part of the law as well. Uh, we would uh, see a threefold division of the law between uh, God's moral law, which could be summed up in the Ten Commandments, uh, God's civil law, which is his uh, the, really just the outflow of the Ten Commandments applied to a society, uh, in this example, the theocracy of Israel, and then Thirdly, uh, the ceremonial law. Now, the ceremonial law was fulfilled perfectly uh, in the person work of Jesus Christ, and therefore has been abrogated. So we're not uh, we're not coming to church each week or in our homes each week, uh, sacrificing animals. The once for all sacrifice of Jesus has abrogated that ceremonial law, and the civil law is not exactly the same for us because we're not the exact same society as Israel. But just like our confession states, uh, the 1689, we, uh, we believe in the general equity of the civil law, which means it might look a little bit different in terms of application to our society, but any society that's to honor God in the way that they, in the way they live and the way they conduct themselves is to be adhering to the moral law of God. And in adherence to that moral law of God, practically in a society is going to look like applying that moral law to that given society. It's almost like the uh, laws and the punishments God gave to Israel were something other than arbitrary. Well, yeah, and that's and that's just a broad principle when you're thinking through this this idea is the reality that uh, our God is not schizophrenic. Uh, Jesus is not uh, changing God's law. Uh, you know, Jesus brought clarity to people who were uh, growing very accustomed to twisting his law. Uh, in one way or another. And so he brought clarity on what God's law was and what it looked like to live out God's law from the heart. But in doing all of that, he never he never changed God's law. If anything, he just brought clarity to it. But God's not schizophrenic. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His law is perfect. Uh, Old Testament, New Testament, doesn't matter. His law is perfect. So we don't, uh, you know, you want to make a, a rich practice as a Christian of not apologizing for God. That's a really good policy. Uh, don't apologize for God. Don't apologize for his law. His law is good and should be obeyed. What if I really like Jesus but have questions for God? And you got huge problems in your Christianity. Well, hey, with that, our commute is over. We have arrived in this consecrated parking lot. And, and we've talked at a high level, you know, really up in the air for the most part, we got into some practicals just in the context of stories. 
uh, regarding society and justice and the law of God and the utility, continuing usefulness to us and necessity for us of the Old Testament. And it's something we're going to return to, but at least uh, this commute has, has teed up those ideas for your consideration. And until next time, this has been another episode of Dave's Delivery and Junk Removal. I'm Dave here with Sean. Hopefully this commute was a blessing to you. Enjoy church. Go with God.